Welcome to On Mission, the teaching ministry of the Mission Church in Irvindale. We exist to love God by loving others, leading them to become fully functioning followers of Christ Jesus. Join Pastor Mike as he teaches through the Gospel of Luke. One thing God wants you to carry away from your coming here this morning and gathering and listening to this message and singing these songs, one of the things he wants you to take away is that he is a a promise-keeping God. That he keeps his word. You never have to doubt him. You never have to think, can I trust him? Even when his word has some very strange and fascinating and weird parts to it, you can trust him. Let me tell you this, that when he tells us that whosoever will call on the name of the Lord shall be saved, he means it and he will keep it. I'm here to tell you that it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter where you have come from, it doesn't matter what you have done in your past, if you will call in faith on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He will embrace you. He will draw you to himself. And he will make you one of his own. And you know what? That should not only thrill us, but it should motivate us to want to tell other people about it. Knowing that if they will turn in faith to Jesus, he will embrace them. He is a promise-keeping God. And here's something for you Christians. When he says that if you are in Christ Jesus, there is now therefore no condemnation. Or as it actually says here, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. It's a fact. You say, but Pastor Mike, what about when I blow it? What about when I really make a big mistake? What about when I act really faithless? Am I still not under condemnation? Right. That's right. When you lie, there's still no condemnation. When you steal, there's still no condemnation. When you falter in your way and you doubt, there's still no condemnation. You say, well, that sounds an awful lot like I can just walk down the aisle, say a prayer, claim to be saved and live however I want, and there's no condemnation. No, that's not the message I'm telling you. I'm just simply saying that those whom Jesus saves... The condemnation has been taken away because he bore that condemnation for you at the cross and that condemnation is gone. It is buried in the blood of Jesus Christ. And so when you do blow it, when you do make a big mistake, when you do even consciously choose to sin, because you you just get convinced in your mind that it will feel good to do it, And then you later regret it. You don't have to come groveling back, hoping that he will take you back. You just need to confess your sin, and he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness because he has already removed the stain and the guilt away. He is a promise-keeping God. And when he says, let not your hearts be troubled... Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. When he says he will come again and take us to himself, he means it. It's a fact. You can bank on it. You can count on it. 
Yeah, but it hasn't happened for 2,000 years. That's all right. The birth of the Messiah hadn't happened in 4,000 years from the time it was first mentioned, but it eventually came. And God is trustworthy. I want you to remember as we talk about these things that the reason Luke is writing this gospel is to give Theophilus a well-researched, documented account of what God is doing to bring his plan of redemption into time and space. So all these details that we're looking at, they're not just passive details. They are important details that communicate something to us about God's plan of redemption. And one of the points of verses 56 and 57 is to show Theophilus and to show us the unfolding of God's redemptive plan, that through that, he has kept his word. He fulfilled his promise to Zechariah. We turn then to verses 59 through 63. And as we look at these passages, what we find here is that God is gracious. God is gracious. The graciousness of God is borne out in this passage that records the struggle over what... Um, Elizabeth's baby would be called. When we come to these verses right here, the, the, the whole point is about what is this baby's name going to be? And it's interesting that even in something as mundane as what is this baby going to be called, God shows forth his graciousness in this text. Let me show it to you. Remember, first of all, that in the scripture, names mean something. Remember what Zachariah's name meant? It meant God has remembered. And John means God is gracious. With that in mind, let's make our way through. Luke tells us that on the eighth day, as was the custom among the Israelites, Zechariah and Elizabeth held a circumcision party. They invited their friends and relatives to attend. As really is, it's hard for us to imagine, isn't it? A, a circumcision celebration today. Circumcision is just uh, what we think is either a cosmetic or a medical uh, procedure. But with the Jews, circumcision was not so much about health as it was about identity. And I want you to record this truth point. That like baptism for New Testament saints, we're baptizing next Sunday. Like baptism for New Testament saints, circumcision was the identifying mark. Of those who are part of God's chosen people, it set you apart from the pagan nations. And circumcision in that culture was demanded, it was commanded. It was, if, if, if you're going to identify with Yahweh, then your males need to be uh, circumcised. Now, naming them on the day of circumcision was not prescribed, it more or less became a tradition. Uh, it may have started with Abraham, because when you go back and you look at, uh, at Genesis 17, 5 and 23, you find that Abram received his new name, Abraham, on the day he and his uh, male uh, servants and family members were circumcised when circumcision first uh, began. Tradition holds that Moses uh, received his name uh, when he was circumcised. But as Zechariah was about to perform the surgery, and that's the way it went back then, Brandon, you didn't call in the local doctor, you sharpened up your own Bowie knife. Imagine that. And so as Zechariah is about to perform the surgery, the question was raised, well, what will this boy be called? 
It was common, if not just outright expected, that, that he would be named after his father or his grandfather. I mean, that was, the, that was the custom of the day. So the people who were, who were gathered there, they all affirmed, yes, the baby needs to be called Zechariah. And that was just expected. But when that was offered up by friends and relatives, it was as though someone threw rotten fruit in the punch bowl. Because Elizabeth had a quick and an adamant response. Her response was, in English, No, he shall be called John. You just need to know that the no there is not just a no. In the the language of, of the gospel being written, the word that is there would be more akin to Uh, by no means or no way with attitude. It wasn't just a no, rather not. There was an attitude behind that negative response. And I'm wondering, have you ever been at a nice family gathering when someone all of a sudden bursts out in a terse, agitated statement? Have you ever been been at one of those? Isn't that uncomfortable when that happens? Somebody said something about politics or religion or something or about the big wart on Freddie's little nose and then she gets all in a fluster and gets mad and says something and then everybody's attention turns to see what's going on. Well, well, those who were gathered received that type of a terse response from Elizabeth. She was going to have none of it. And they were confused about it. Uh, they were confused because... As they said, no one in your family has this name. So, okay, fine. We'll just go over your head. We'll go to Zechariah. Now here, here is where we find out that Zechariah's hearing was taken. He wasn't just mute. He was deaf too. Because it says in the passage that they made gestures to ask him the question, what will his name be called? You don't use sign language with people who can hear. You only use sign language with people who cannot hear your verbal communication, right? As we see right here, right? Yeah, it's the truth. So we find then that he's not able to receive communication in his ear, and he's not able to give it out of his mouth. So they, 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 they ask him, and I want you to notice his response because it's really good. He, he, he asked for a tablet to write his response because he still was not able to speak. And he writes, his name is John. you got to realize that Zechariah did not say his name is John. He didn't say that because he was just trying to agree with Elizabeth so he wouldn't wind up sleeping on the couch. He wasn't even saying his name will be, I've made a decision, his name will be John. When we come to that point of the circumcision ceremony and it's time to bestow the name, it will be at that point. Well, I'm going to make the decision. And he's not even saying that. What Zechariah is indicating by this statement, his name is John, is that in his mind, the child's name was John from conception. It is what it is. I can't change it. I can't monkey with it. It is what it is. His name is John. You say, Pastor Mike, why is his name John? Well, when we go back, we find because God Almighty gave him his name. Yahweh gave him his name. And secondly... Yahweh gave him his name because his name means something about the purpose of his existence. Can I slow down for just a sec and ask you, have you ever contemplated the purpose 
of your existence. Why are you here? Why do you breathe? What is your purpose? John had a purpose. There was a reason that he came into the world. Now follow me. John was not here to represent God as someone who remembers, but to represent God as one who is filled with grace. That was his purpose for existence. You know, this idea of God remembers, it's a great thing when God remembers our need. It's a wonderful thing when God remembers his promises to us. It's great when God remembers to provide us help when we need it. But what about when God remembers our transgressions? That's not so positive, is it? And for those outside of Christ Jesus, that's exactly what God remembers. For those outside of Christ, their transgressions are always before him. But for those who receive the gift of faith in Jesus, his son, God is grace. And John was not on the scene to remind us all that God remembers, but he was on the scene to declare a new revelation. God is gracious. This is On Mission. The Mission Church is located at 12001 Ridgemont Drive in Urbandale. To learn more about our ministry, visit our website at themissiondsm.org or call us at 515-255-2122. We gather for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. We would be honored for you to join us. Have a blessed day, and thank you for listening to On Mission.